Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 365th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting in this our eighth year across the world from the shores of Sydney Harbour. I just flew in about an hour ago from Los Angeles and I'm sitting here looking out across the harbour. It's a bit of a gloomy old day but the um, Opera House and the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the boats out on the harbour make it much brighter. Now, by 2020, only two years away, office workers can expect to have only 120 square feet of workspace. That's less than half of what it was just a few years ago. So office space is shrinking. A lot of that's got to do with costs and the change in the way we work. For the last eight years, workspace per worker has continually declined resulting in more work being done outside the office. So how do you all stay connected if you're all spread all over the place? By using something like High Five, which is a really simple conferencing tool. Pin codes and downloads are what you used to do in 2010. Not anymore. With High Five, anyone can start or join a video conference just with a single link. Your clients can join from their join from their browser, and in just minutes, you can be chatting away. If you prefer the phone, you just enter your phone number, and High Five calls you into the conference. Really simple, easy. Their Dolby conference phone and HD quality video cameras set up in minutes, and don't require any professional to install. Even an idiot like me can do it. It's video conferencing done really simply, which is fantastic. So that's something to look forward to. My son works at Google in Silicon Valley, and uh, their conferencing facilities, in fact, all their facilities are just mind-blowing. It's just a phenomenal place to work. But everybody's got, you know, fairly small cubicles, fairly small areas to work in, and uh, – I think Hunter works at the Mountain View about three days a week and from San Francisco a couple of days a week. So they don't need the space that we used to use. Now, most sensible, educated people outside of Washington, D.C. are really concerned about climate change. And they're also concerned about the amount of plastic trash that's engulfing our planet. Now, we know that the oceans are absolutely full of plastic and it's not long before plastic will outnumber the number of pieces of plastic will outnumber the number of fish in the oceans. Now, the UK's biggest chip brand, which is Walkers, which is owned, of course, by Lay's, produces more than 7,000 non-recyclable crisp packets every minute, 11 million of them a day. By 2025, they will have produced 28 billion 
more crisp packets. And although crisp packets look shiny and look like foil, they're not. They're just a metallized, metallized? I don't know whether that's a word or not, um, metallized plastic film. So they're plastic film just with a, a metal coating. And since the bags are not recyclable, they end up in landfills or in the ocean. It's interesting that beach cleaning volunteers in Cornwall in England have retrieved walkers packets that have been that have been there 40 years old, haven't disintegrated one scrap. So the chip packets from 40 years ago are still being washed up on the beaches. Now, this is a really ingenious idea that I absolutely love. In the UK, people have been called upon to send their empty chip bags in the mail to walkers as a protest against the company's non-recyclable packaging. It's part of an effort to inspire the company to make its packaging more environmentally friendly. And boy, has it worked. The Royal Mail Service has had to ask people to stop putting stamps on their potato chip packets and putting them in the post. Chip packets can't go through the sorting machines. They're not normal mail items, therefore they clog up the system. So at the major mail sorter plants in the UK, they're all jammed up with chip packets, with stamps on them. <laughs> it's creating a major pain in the ass for Royal Mail sorting. It's really screwed up the system. And the protest was started by 61-year-old retired Cardiff teacher, Geraint Ashcroft, and it gained traction when Ashcroft posted a petition on the web and it grew from there. Now, he's just a little old retired guy, one person, and very quickly that petition gained over 400,000 signatures, and of course, it got truckloads of publicity. Every newspaper, every little newspaper, big newspaper, radio, television, it just got so much publicity. So stunned by the exposure, PepsiCo, which is Walker's parent company, sprung into action. You know, these big companies don't operate very quickly usually, but in this case they did. And they came out and said, we're committed to achieving 100% recyclable, compostable and biodegradable packaging by 2025. We're investing in research and development to explore options to improve the recyclability of our packs. Then they went ahead and announced a partnership with TerraCycle, whereby all packets can be returned for recycling. So this has meant they've had to set up hundreds of collection sites right across the UK where you can take crisp packets to be cleaned, shredded and turned into plastic pallets and made into new items like benches or fence posts. The company's also working with biotechnology leader Denima Scientific on the development of biogradable packaging. Now, because of all the fuss, the Walker's company's pledged to make their packaging 100% recyclable by 2025, but because of the level of protest, they vowed to try and bring this date forward. 
What a great idea. One person. Don't ever think that one person can't make a difference. Here's a retired school teacher has really changed, got rid of 28 billion non-biodegradable packets out of the system. That is fantastic. That's just one person. Just imagine what would happen if all of us could do it. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter, the Bob Pritchard daily newsletter? We now have about 1.7, 1.8 million daily subscribers. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and every day we tackle a different subject. We talk about advances in medicine, and we talk about new apps, new technology, Hyperloop, the boring company, autonomous cars, blockchain. We talk about everything that's topical. Companies going out of business, stores closing, um, everything. And uh, to keep abreast of all new developments in business and technology and ensure you're able to compete in this world that's changing so fast, you must get the Bob Pritchard newsletter. Today's newsletter, I think it's tomorrow, it might be tomorrow's newsletter. If you get on today and join, tomorrow's newsletter is discusses the difference between crypto coins and crypto tokens and it's very important thing for everybody to know so it's really easily easy simply go to my website bobpritchard.com and enroll for those of you who are just turning in i'm sitting on the shores of sydney harbour in sydney australia looking out a pretty gloomy day but um, the harbour's so beautiful that um, it makes up for it now, Facebook's taken down 559 pages and 251 accounts that were a part of a coordinated campaign to influence this year's midterm elections, which are on in about two weeks. So were these the Russians back manipulating American elections? No. The accounts were run by Americans and are evidence of how malicious users in the US are increasingly copying the techniques that Russian trolls used in the 2016 US election. Malicious American Facebook users are creating hundreds of fake accounts and pages in attempt to pol politically influence users and divide the country. They put in posts, put up posts that divide there's a lot at the moment about immigration, about the caravan. It's all bullshit. They're fake. But people read them and they're gullible. Now, so Facebook has cracked down on them and removed 559 of these and 251 accounts that have con consistently broken Facebook's rules against spam and coordinated inauthentic behaviour. And all of those were run by Americans. So many were using fake accounts or multiple accounts with the same name and posted massive amounts of content across a network of groups and pages to drive traffic to their websites. Many used the same techniques to make their content appear more popular on Facebook than it really was. Others were just ad farms using Facebook to mislead people into thinking that they were forums for legitimate political debate. And, of course, all the people that are extreme on the left or all the people that are extreme on the right believe these things and spread the word. And uh, 
I've got to tell you, though, most of the ones that were shut down were from the right. The activity echoes the actions of the Russians during the 2016 US election, where it not only attempted, but it did influence American politics using a coordinated campaign of fake accounts that spread hoaxes and misleading information. So these networks increasingly use sensational political content to build an audience and drive traffic to their websites. They earn money for every visitor to the site. So not only do they pollute and corrupt their elections, they actually earn money. And like political motivated activity was sure in the last election cycle, the news stories of opinions these accounts and pages share are often indistinguishable from legitimate political debate. So early voting is already happening in some states and election dates only two weeks away. And it's a, it's really inexcusable that uh, Facebook has waited until just two weeks before the elections to take all these fake posts down. They know what's fake and what isn't. They should have taken them down six weeks ago. So Facebook needs to proactively meet the challenges of abuse and misinformation on its platform. It just seems to do the bare necessity to respond to and anticipate what parliament's going to crack down and bingo, they act. Just, just before the break, I want to mention that um, last, week, last year, Toyota threw its hat into the ring to build a new flying car and they've just filed a bunch of patents and their idea for a flying car is that wheels attached to spaced arms and uh, when it's ready to take flight, the arms extend upwards and the wheels spin to reveal rotors and off it goes. Toyota's project has a working title of SkyDrive and a full-scale model was shown to business leaders a year ago. So Toyota and the team's goal is to potentially light the Olympic torch at the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo with a flying taxi. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And my guest after the break is Gabrielle Giancola, great guy, very talented. He's the co-founder and chief executive officer of Kibi which is Q-I-I-B-E-E, which is a Swiss loyalty token protocol. And that's helping brands around the world run their loyalty programs on the blockchain. And Gabrielle will be with me from Switzerland right after the break. Now, this is Bob Pritchard broadcasting across the world this week from the shores of Sydney Harbour in Australia. And I'll be back in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. 
Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last seven or eight years, we've given you insights into the lives of over about, I think, 370 or 380 of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked to them about what they do, why they're different, and what, and we try to find out what makes them tick. Now, only three out of every hundred startup companies are successful. So, what is it that those three people do that the other ninety-seven percent of people don't do? It's extremely difficult to really make your mark in the world today and achieve success because there's just so many challenges and so much competition. And the aim of this segment is to introduce you to people that are involved in interesting and in different roles so that we can find out how they face their challenges, how they overcame them, and uh, see if we can learn their keys to success. I'm always saying to people out there that you should get mentors. Surround yourself with people that are have been in business, that understand how business works. It's all right to come straight out of college and set up a company, but you really don't understand how the world of business works. I must admit, when I got into international business and started dealing on a global basis, it's quite a shock. It is really very different. My guest today is Gabrielle Giancola. He's the co-founder and chief executive of Kibi which is Q-I-I-B-E-E. And it's a Swiss loyalty token protocol, which helps brands around the world run their loyalty programs on the blockchain. Now, we've interviewed a lot of people um, in the blockchain area on this show, and uh, but never anybody that's doing anything with loyalty programs. Now, Gabrielle is a serial entrepreneur. He's co-founded multiple companies, including Gratis Auto, which is a Swiss startup focused on mobile outdoor advertising. He's also got a mining farm with around 60 miners. The um, Kiwi was founded in 2015 and builds on strong expertise, existing partnerships and in-depth knowledge of the loyalty sector. It's a blockchain plug-and-play solution supporting businesses and giving them full flexibility to create their own loyalty programs on Kiwi's protocol. Gabrielle, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard right around the world. Thank you very much, Bob, for the introduction. It's uh, great to be on your show. How did Kiwi get started? Do you have a background in, in loyalty programs? Uh, no, I just used me and my brother, which uh, is, is uh, which co-founded uh, Kiwi, 
uh, we just uh, really like to use um, all those different loyalty programs um, from companies and um, and sort of a big hassle for for not just us but our friends our family and, and a lot of other people um, is that you just have a whole bunch of different loyalty programs you get different points you don't know on which program do you have how many points um, it's super difficult to redeem them so the the, the problem is really that it's difficult, um, let's say, to be loyal to a company today um, in, in, with this kind of with this kind of, of programs because you don't. What we think is you don't get the loyalty back. Of course, you get something back with a point and everything, but uh, the whole value behind it, it's it's not so remarkable that you say, you know what, I want to stick with this company or with this program. So um, what we thought um, in 2015 when we started Kiwi was. Okay, one huge um, facilitation of the whole process would be if you just have one app where you get rewarded for multiple brands for different interactions. So not just buying, but also maybe making a post, liking, sharing content of the brand or other activities. So um, the idea started really from there and we came to a point where we were talking to bigger and bigger brands um, where we saw, okay, they want to have their own interface they want to have their own. Um, they want to have their own. Uh, let's say uh, branding and, and and interaction with the customers. So what they were asking us if they actually could have a white label of our solution, and and, and there we, we started to see. Okay, of course we can we can give them the white label solution, but then we have the same problem as before because they will all have their own white labels. Um, it's cool for for those customers, but still. Um, they will have the same problem because they yeah. have to go into different loyalty programs and have different points. Yeah, you so, <clears throat> right, and at that point, um, uh, it was also, I have to say, th that situation came up at the same moment as um, uh, as more and more people around those around us, uh, mentor and investors, uh, were, were talking about blockchain technology, about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on. And so we started also to look into that um, into, into that new technology, and what we what we saw was actually that we could use it to um, let's say go let's call it go on the next level. So since we saw that the most people, like if if you look at who reaches the the most customers and and the most people, that are really the, the international big brands. So yes. what we thought is okay, how can we actually bring to the user the same value that we are actually looking for, um, but with their own interface, with their own branding and so on. And what we saw is that if you want to try to connect a lot of different central databases, it is super difficult to, to make them interoperable. Sure. And on the other side, you have the problem that all those brands, they don't really give you a value with those points. They give you a promise that sometime in the next 12, 24 months, you can redeem that point for, I don't know, uh, a free a free ticket, an upgrade, or whatever it is. Yeah. And what we see is that if you actually will give the customers the possibility to exchange those points for each other. So let's say you're a huge Starbucks fan, and I'm a huge Delta fan. Yeah. But sometimes you fly Delta, and sometimes I'd like a coffee. It makes a lot of sense if we two can exchange our points. Because in that moment when you want to fly, and in that moment when I want to have a coffee, you actually have the need for my, my points and I have the need for your points. Right. So it makes a lot of sense to, to, to give your customer more options um, on, on, on how to spend those points. Um, because 
if the more choices and the more options they have or a customer has, the more engaged he will be with, with a program and at the end of the day with the brand. Um, and more engagement means bringing more revenue to the brand, um, making more word of mouth, engaging more in the sense of social media and, and, and then like really exposure of the brand. So um, we believe in more options for, for the customers to bring more uh, at the end of the day profit for a brand. And, um, and that's why we, well, we really moved them to blockchain technology and also built this loyalty token protocol where every brand can create easily their own, or let's say can tokenize their own point and um, it can make them then exchangeable for other points. Yeah, okay. So, and, and loyalty programs are being used for so much more than just loyalty on sales these days, aren't they? They're, people use loyalty programs to research new, get feedback on new products, to research the marketplace, to get more um, information on customers. There's a whole bunch of ways that companies use loyalty programs and people in loyalty programs these days. So do you, you combine all of that on on Kiwi? So you have to imagine, you have to imagine the whole um, interface, so meaning also which data you get from your customers, um, that is all on the brand part. What we help out the brand is really to put their points on a blockchain and to right. make them interchangeable with others. Right. So th- th- that is also the, the good, let's say the cool thing for a brand, they have a lot, a lot of control. Or let's say they have the whole control in their hand. It's really facilitating them the, the, the process to create their own token and having some conditions which, for example, they, a brand, an international brand doesn't want to think about um, my token can be listed on exchange and then I have to think about um, demand and supply on the market. I have to think about market making and all the stuff sure. that is connected to having a token listed. So um, let's say there are a few preconditions when you create a loyalty token and um, and that is actually let's say the, 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 the magic behind it that you um, with a let's call it with a click uh, you can create your own your own loyalty token and um, <clears throat> That is that is what we're actually facilitating for those brands. Okay, how did how did the word <laughs> Kiwi Q I I B E E? How the hell did that come about? You wake up at two o'clock one morning and go, "Aha! I'm going to call this Kiwi." Brainstorm. Right. <laughs> that wasn't how it, no, it was actually. It was actually. Uh, it, it was a bit a mix of um, of uh, like having those flash ideas. And, and then brainstorming and really thinking about with it, uh, with a structured way uh, or in a structured way. And um, the, the main idea came really from the bee, from the animal bee. Because uh, we all know that it is essential for, for the world. Without bees, um, there won't be any, any, any humanity in a, in a, in a, in a worst case. That's and um, if, if, you look, if you look at companies, it's the same thing. So if they don't have any customers, they won't, they won't exist. And um, and so what we saw is that actually you have that uh, that parallel between a bee and between a customer, um, and the key comes really from um, from the from the chi from the energy. Uh, now the idea of energy bee is really comes from that the more, as I told you before, the more engaged a customer is the more energetic at the end of the day he will be and the more um, he will he will interact with your brand. So um, the idea came from there. 
then the word itself or how, how you write it came then um, also from, as I told you before, in a structured way, meaning we looked up which domains are still avail- available with that phonetics. Um, and there we had like 40 different, uh, 40 different um, options, how you wrote, uh, how you write Kibi. And we really looked for all the domains. And I mean, nowadays it's, or also a few years ago, it wasn't that easy um, to, to just pick up a name and then and then you have that domain because a lot of domains are just uh, are just sold out. Yeah, it's almost impossible. I, I was reading an article not long ago that was written by Harvard, I think, that said that there's every name that we recognise in the English language is taken. There are none, yeah. and that's why the um, the drug companies you you find a new drug on the market and it's the name is X Y Z Z why something or another and um, almost unpronounceable words well they um, they have algorithms that make up new words that sound good that they think people will relate to <laughs> what amazing yeah so why what's the advantage of using the blockchain I mean without the blockchain why would it be different so you have actually let's say three main reasons two um, are really based on, on, on blockchain technology. One of them is more connected to the whole cryptocurrency part of the space. Sure. Um, the two, the two, um, the two, let's call it benefits um, of using blockchain technology for the loyalty space is really the first one is those points are not anymore in a database which can be attacked internally or externally, but are in a blockchain. Secure, yeah. Meaning you as a customer, you don't have to worry about points are getting manipulated, you don't have to worry about points are getting lost, you don't have to worry about points are getting miscalculated or stuff like that. Right. And there were a lot of cases where you saw that um, companies really um, <clears throat> messed up that process and they had to recalculate the, the points of the customers, they had to maybe give more points to the customer because they were hacked. Um, so. That is one huge benefit which you as a company and as a customer have. You have much yeah. higher security. Yeah. Um, second, as I told you before, it would be impossible to make all those central databases if you would have all the points from all the companies on their databases and you want to make them interoperable, it would be an impossible task. With blockchain technology, you just store all the points on the same blockchain. Yes. And there is no, really, there is no problem to exchanging them. So the whole exchangeability part is really only possible because of blockchain technology. And and then you have the third part, uh, which is connected to the whole cryptocurrency aspect, which is since all those loyalty tokens, so all those tokenized points are backed by the Kiwi token, um, you as a customer, you get something that actually has a liquidity and actually has a secondary market, so has a value on the market. Right. Now, we, we made, with one of our partners, we made a small survey with around t- 2,000 people and asked them, what do you prefer? $10 in cash or $10 worth, um, a lottery ticket worth $10? 84 pe- 84% of the people said they want to have the lottery ticket. Why? Because as soon as the amount that you get is so small, yep. you are much more, much more um, incentivized to gamble with it. Because you get something for free it is not a huge amount, so it doesn't change your financial situation. Yep. And what happens? You're much more prone to gamble. Yeah, I understand. If, if, if you do the same question with 10K, you can be sure that 
99% of the people um, will say, I prefer the 10K because that changes most of the people's financial situation. Yeah. And, and, and that's why there you see that there, there is a much higher incentive to be engaged in such, uh, let's say, in such a program where you get an upset potential um, rather than having some points where you know the value is really small, you have to earn your life until you get an upgrade. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that's the third part of it, yeah. Yeah, pain in the ass, I know. Um, so you obviously have um, great faith in the future of crypto. I would say uh, that I have a great faith in blockchain technology, in crypto, in cryptocurrency, or let's say in the whole crypto market too, yes. Um, I believe that um, I believe that it needs some time to to get to a certain, let's say, um, stable version of it or yeah. mature version of it. Yeah. Well, I I got in early into crypto, and um, so I've done very well. But um, I've got to say, I'm doing a lot less well today than I was a year ago. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> I can't imagine that one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, blockchain is revolutionising almost every business. I mean, the stock exchanges now are going into blockchain. All the insurance companies, the banks, just about everybody is going into blockchain technology. Um, so, are you the first? Are you the only guys in loyalty programs using the blockchain? I haven't heard of anybody else. So there are a few other um, companies working in the uh, loyalty blockchain space. They most of most of them they focus on building one. Let's say what we had, what we built in 2015 on the blockchain. Right. So uh, an application where you get incentivized from um, from different brands with one token. Um, what I told you before, we don't like. We don't believe. We made our experience on the field that we saw. Okay, as soon as you get to a certain um, size of the brand, uh, it's super difficult to sell them, to sell them your own application. Sure. Uh, I mean, if you have millions of customers, yeah, it works. But that they will, that they will use your loyalty program forever. That's 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 another question, and, and that's why um, why, we, why we build on a completely different layer, and and, and let's say are below the whole application. Um, we don't want to. We don't want to work on the application itself. So the the brand builds their own interface. They build their own program. They reward how they want to reward their customer. They have the whole control of the loyalty program. What they just use our technology for is to create their loyalty token and to really make those two transactions, reward and redemption, onto the blockchain without have, having to think about blockchain technology and smart contracts and solidity and and everything that is connected to. Um, creating something on the blockchain. So if, if I've got a loyalty program with um, um, United Airlines, for example, and I get points, do I, do you simply switch those points for tokens? Is that the way that so, works? Um, right. So if, you, if United would, um, would use our, our technology, what yep. they would do, um, let's say they have 1 billion outstanding points, um, they would start. Uh, they would start communicating to their customer. Hey, we're um, we're changing from uh, from normal points to. Uh, uh, I mean, they wouldn't say we're changing from points to loyalty tokens. They would say we're changing from United points to United coins, for example. 
um, to make it, let's say, a bit, bit more sexy. Um, and and then they would explain uh, the customer that actually they can, for example, exchange now those uh, those coins for um, for other coins. Um, they would communicate to the customer, hey, now you have um, you have actually a real value behind it, which can go up and down. Um, so they, they would do the whole communication behind it. And there, of course, um, you have to imagine it like that. It's not that 100% of those customers that have points are still active on your program. So you're not going there and you're changing 100% of the points, but you're really going there and you're changing there the, the points to coins um, where the users are active. Yeah. I, I find it's interesting because um, in, in America, for example, um, you see very few businesses that will take Bitcoin, for example. Um, in fact, I don't think I've seen any. But mm-hmm. I was in Moscow a couple of weeks ago, and you can use Bitcoins in florists, in delicatessens, in all sorts of different businesses. And yet here in the States, um, there's less. So are people much more aware and understanding of tokens and coins in Europe than they are in the United States and perhaps um, North America in general? I wouldn't even say in Europe. Um, to be honest, what I what I think is it's, it's a bit the same thing as with entrepreneurship. You see um, the highest uh, density of entrepreneurs, also like single man entrepreneurs, um, in, 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 third, uh, in third world countries. Because where you have the need to be creative and to change to something that is not standard, yeah. um, there you have the highest use of, of, of let's say, um, alternative, uh, alternative, let's call them tools. And the same thing, I, I, I have the feeling with Bitcoin. So um, I'm in Switzerland, for example. And here in Switzerland, everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. Everyone believes in Swiss franc. Of course, it's a super strong currency. Yeah. So why should we have the need, if not we want to speculate, to buy the Bitcoin? Yeah. Because it is so. it has so much more volatility than the Swiss franc that there is no need for me as a store of value to put my money, my Swiss franc, into the Bitcoin. Yep. But if I'm living in Venezuela, if I'm living in Russia, if or I'm living Africa. in Argentina or in Africa, yep. man, I'm so happy that there is a Bitcoin actually. That's right. That's true. You I know, know what I mean? That's and, and and that's and that's and that's and that's what I think it's it's a huge it's it's a huge, huge potential and I believe that we are not seeing that much activity in Europe or, or in, in North America, or let's say in, in more developed countries, just because the need is not yet here. Yeah. And it's, it's, so, it's hard, for yeah. People, hard for people to wrap their mind around the fact that, um, you know, if, I, if I've got $10,000 in US dollars, I can actually pick it up and hold it and put it in my pocket. If I've got $10,000 in Bitcoin, it's sitting on some exchange somewhere. <laughs> that I need right. a 43-number code to get into, and if I lose my code, I lose my money. Um, that's pretty hard for most people to wrap their mind around, do you think? For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but that's why, you know, that's why you have more activity in these other countries. Because yeah. there, if you don't even get a bank account, or, sure. or if you earn today 100 and tomorrow it's only worth 70, yeah. you think twice about to put that 40... 
for the alphanumerical number uh, in your in your account and, and to do that hassle because um, you have completely different needs in that moment. Oh. And you're completely right. With you with the US dollar, you don't have that problem, you don't have that need. Well not yet. <laughs> right, yeah, right. That's why I also said before, not yet, because you never know what happens. You really never know what happens. And maybe you're happy that you had some stuff in, in Bitcoin. How how are you in incentivizing customers with crypto rewards that you don't do or can't do or not as appealing as it is um, with traditional reward structure? So I think I think the most accurate answer um, is, is really the, the let's say the the behavioral perspective which I gave you before with the survey because um, it, it's really about that let's call it psychological trick. As soon as the amount is low enough, you're much, much more keen to gamble. If yeah. I give you one dollar and, and then I tell you, look, bet with that dollar on A or B, you don't think twice about betting. If I give you a thousand bucks, you think twice about maybe, maybe with a thousand bucks I can do a weekend yeah. with my wife. Yeah. Or girlfriend. So it has much more value. Yeah, or girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the, the thing is really that, that those points that you get from a loyalty program, the value of it is so low. Yeah, sure. That you as a customer, if you have actually an upside potential, you're much more happy to get them. Because, I mean, think about, think about the, let's say, the family that flies twice a year. Yeah. They enroll in a program just because they saw the ad, you get 10,000 points if you register today, okay? Now they register, they make their first flight, everything cool, they get their points. They see we can get anything with them. They make the second flight, <laughs> they still see we can't get anything with it. And I mean, if you fly with a family, you won't do the upgrade just for the dad or for the mom in business and the rest of the family stays in economy. So it's like, for that kind of a customer, and, and the thing is that frequent flyers maybe make up, I don't know, five, 10% of, 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 a, of, a, of a airline. Um, if you think about the other 95%, they don't really have a value out of those loyalty programs. Yeah. And there we say, hey, there you can do much more as a company. You can do much, much more as a company. If you give them just a bit more of options, they will be so engaged and so loyal to you that you will really see it in your KPIs, revenue, and profit. Yeah, and, and um, got, instead of just looking at your points, you can look at the value of um, Kiwi, for example, on the market, and you can be um, you can be making money without even flying. Where if you've just got a normal frequent flyer program, you're screwed if you don't fly. Right, right, right. So that's, I think that that is a huge, a huge, um, let's say change in, in the whole, in the whole um, loyalty factor. Uh, it, like, it is, I, I would say we're, we're trying to put a new standard for the loyalty market. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as it is, as it is not just, creating an app or a website and you want to push it and you want to get users, but putting a new standard for a whole industry, which is huge and which is there for tens of years, um, it is something big and it needs time. But I really believe that in the next five, 10 years, we will see that, that new standard. Uh, I agree. I hope, that, I hope that Kiwi is at the forefront. And <laughs> yeah, the well, I hope so too. <laughs> so if, if I'm sitting out there listening to this show and I have my business has got a loyalty program, um, 
should they talk to you guys? I mean, should all brands tokenize their loyalty offerings or does it suit some types of programs better than others or some some types of industries better than others? Uh, to be honest right now, we're pretty open to talk as with as many brands from as, as various, uh, let's say, sectors as possible because um, the idea is to learn as much as possible right now. The, the whole industry blockchain is, is very, very young. Then you have loyalty in the blockchain, which is even younger. Yeah. And um, so you, you need, to, I believe if we, if we would focus now on ABC sector, uh, we would waste a lot of potential and maybe um, go behind the wrong sectors. Sure. Because the thing is that we never, let's say, did it in, in our lives to bring loyalty on the blockchain. I mean, we did it for, for the past uh, now maybe 24 months, um, but you don't have the, the same age as the loyalty market itself where you have completely um, standardized processes and, and, and to, to break those processes and to, and to make them more efficient, uh, I mean, it is with change as it is always. Um, change brings a lot of, let's say, chaos at the beginning, and, and then, then you have a phase where, where everything calms down, and then you have the new standard. So uh, I believe we're, we're before the chaos. <laughs> um, there will be a few years of chaos, then it will calm down. And then I would say, um, in ten years, we will have uh, we will have seven to ten years. We will have really that new standard. But the next few years will be not only for loyalty on the blockchain, but for everything that you want to build on the blockchain. It will be a lot of change, and that's why also chaos in a certain sense. It's going to be a very chaotic world the next few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we keep hearing, and I've seen some evidence of this, that um, the younger generation, the millennials and younger, they have no loyalty to anybody, you know, and I don't necessarily believe that, but we keep hearing it. Um, so do you have any evidence that tokenizing loyalty programs will appeal to the newer generations that seem to have a whole different um, attitude to loyalty? Um, yes. Uh, maybe not in, 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 a, in a direct way, uh, because the thing is following. The, the new generation, um, I mean, I have a younger brother, which is 20, so I, I really know, um, uh, uh, I know, I know what it means uh, <laughs> dealing with the new generation, um, or me and my, we are three brothers, actually, co-founder of Kiwi, um, Gianluca, and myself, and then our younger brother, which is 20. And when we look at him and how he deals with situations, how he acts with friends, how he also, um, let's say, uh, gets incentivized on, a, on an offer or, or on a product. Um, it's a completely different decision-making because they're used to much faster decisions and they're used to getting much more information in a, in a small amount of time. Sure. I mean, that is, that is one, one, huge, one huge difference that brands need to face. They have so many more options in front of them and they need to decide much faster. So you as a brand need to convince much faster. And loyalty is still super important because the harder it gets to get your customer, the more happy you are to have him as a loyal customer. And the more rewarding um, because then you don't, Right, right. And, and because you don't have to worry about that revenue to go away um, to competitor, for example. So, 
how do you want to do that with, with the younger generation? You can't change them. You won't change their behavior. Right. Because they're built like that. So that is not an option. Now, what can you do? You can just adapt to the whole situation. So that's why I'm telling you, give the customers more options and they will be more engaged. The, yep. the, the, the same thing works perfectly with the younger generation. If they have if they have more options with their points, they will be much happier because they're used to having a lot of options. Yes. Yep. And only because of that, they will start engaged with you. If you if you restrict them, if you close their options down, that's not what they want to see. Yeah, got it. So, where's KB in the last in the next five years? Where do you expect to be in five years? Where do I expect to be in five years? Um, I would say that uh, there we will start seeing. Um, in, in, in which direction uh, in which direction the new standard is, is, is going and, and how our vision is uh, is uh, let's say starting to form because um, over the next few years we want to get as many brands as possible on, on, on our protocol and of course develop our product more and more and more um, so the idea when I see out in five years I see a lot of uh, international and national brands yep. having their loyalty program on Kibi and um, millions of customers uh, using their loyalty tokens, exchanging their loyalty tokens, and really having uh, much more value out of out of their out of their let's say um, commercial life. Let's call it like that. So okay. I, I believe that there we will see really the, the ecosystem um, formed and, and and ready to to scale um, over the next then five to ten years, so um, that we can reach our vision. My bet is that you'll be bought out by Amazon. Um, Gabrielle, <laughs> thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about Gabrielle and Kibi. It's Q-I-I-B-E-E. And you can find out more about them by visiting Kibi, Q-I-I-B-E-E dot and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network right after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show. We're on Voice America Business Network, and we're broadcasting today from the shores of Sydney Harbour in Sydney, Australia. Now, Amazon's new $15 wage mandate shows that increasing minimum wages across an uneven economic landscape also comes with some unintended consequences. I mean, it sounded great, didn't it? Everybody's going to get 15 bucks an hour. Terrific. The problem is that um, $15 is worth only about 11 if you're living in California, and it's worth about 20 if you're living in Mississippi because of the vastly different costs of living. So what's the problem with having this viability? Well, since the median wage is below $15 in some places, Amazon employees 
people working in the warehouses will suddenly be making more than nurses and other professionals. And unless the wages then of nurses increase proportionally alongside the mandated increases, many communities are going to find that the local economies are gutted because it'll Amazon will draw employees away from other jobs and potentially slowing down hiring in other important industries. So you might have less nurses and less a whole bunch of other people because of Amazon's $15 an hour. And also it comes with a catch. To finance the wage increases, Amazon eliminated employee bonuses and stock awards causing a lot of employees to say, well, our overall compensation's going to decrease. So instead of celebrating, many workers ask why people who had been toiling in the company's warehouse for years will now be paid the same money as new employees and temporary holiday help. So if you've been working for Amazon for seven years and somebody starts today, you both get the same amount of money. I mean, that seems to stink. Now, since employment at Amazon and other e-commerce sites skyrocketed in the 2000s and in the 2010s, there was a noticeable decline in average warehouse worker pay at the national level. You know, average warehouse worker pay in 2000 was $21 an hour. It fell to 16 in 2013, and now it's 15 So... You know, you've got to think about what you wish for. Now, last this is another great idea. Last week, a new version of Do Not Pay was launched. And Do Not Pay is an app that helps users file lawsuits and claim awards from class action settlements. And people are loving it. In the week since the 21-year-old Stanford entrepreneur released the app, it's been downloaded over 10 thousand times the inventor's family motto fuck the system that's a great motto isn't it so the inventor you might remember that he um he earned the nickname robin hood of the internet after creating a bot to help people fight parking tickets in court that was about three years ago and it was a genius idea and it saved something like and i'm trying to i'm trying to find it quickly um it saved $16 million in parking tickets. So that's a bloody great idea. So it was a really simple thing where you just followed the app, told you how to fight parking tickets, and it saved $16 million. Now, Do Not Pay targets bureaucratic systems that are public. Then it helps individuals claim everything from expedited DMV appointments to reimbursements for late packaging. He's since expanded Do Not Pay into a legal services app that lists class action lawsuits and uh, uses AI to win up to $25,000 in a small claims court. And it does all the work for you. The platform offers 15 different products, ranging from Sue Anyone to get free prescription drugs, free government and settlement money, And the option lets you just swipe right to sue. And when you find a suit that catches your eye, you file. So, as I mentioned, it saved $16 million in parking ticket fees. 
and an average of $7,000 in Equifax reimbursements because of the hack. He says, your money belongs to you. Let Do not pay. Get it back. So it's fantastic and it's free and uh, it's funded by donations. So that's that's very, very, very cool. So get on, check it out. Do not pay one word. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. No big deal being ordinary. And if you're always trying to be normal, I try not to be normal, then you'll always be boring. If you don't be one of those grey shirt, grey suit, grey tie, grey mind brigades, break it. So get out there, get outside the box and find out how amazing you can be. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I'll again be broadcasting from the shores of Sydney Harbour in Sydney, Australia. And I hope next week I can tell you that the weather's better. But in the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative to success sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.